Hey, this is Pastor Mark. You do not. Good morning. Stand to your feet, if you would, please. Welcome all of you watching online. How many of you know that today it's our choice as to how we're going to experience the day? So you've chosen to be here. You've chosen to be online, and we believe it's going to be a great day. Say, this is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I have what it says I have. I can do what the Bible says I can do. Today I'll be taught the Word of God, and I boldly confess my mind is alert, my heart is receptive, and I will never be the same again. Never, never, never. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. A couple of things I want to tell you about. Last week we had a little kindergarten graduation, total of eight or nine little kindergartners. They only got a picture of five, but uh, just exciting to see these kids growing up and learning about Jesus and all of you that are serving to help them. But this is little kindergartners, and like I said, there were quite a few not in there, but excited about them. Also, as I'm doing this series, going to the next level, if you will, uh, we've got a sheet at the information kiosk of all of the areas of service in the church and the names of the leaders in those. Uh, I would encourage you to stop by, pick one up, and follow those instructions and get involved. You won't be sorry that you did. Um, you know, in life, we, we find ourselves at different places in, in different seasons of life. And there are people who are interested in God today. Some of you are here because you're interested. You're not engaged yet in God, but you're interested in God. And that's a good start. It's a good level. And uh, you're excited about the possibilities, even though you don't know what all of those possibilities are. Then there are those of you that have been coming, and for a while, you're more than interested. You really are looking to be engaged in what God is doing in the church, in your life. And uh, you're exploring those possibilities. And then there are those of you that you don't even think about it. It is, you're so in rhythm that Christianity is a lifestyle. Now, this is very important to understand, um, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go out on a limb here just a little bit, because uh, some of you may be in this place, so don't get mad at me, but every week I give you an opportunity to get mad at me. So why should I start anything different today? When people tell me, you know, I'm going to go on a diet and they start looking at all these diet plans and the keto diet. That was a big deal, you know, and all that. Everybody said, I'm going to lose weight. What they're really saying is, I'm going to address the symptom, but not the cause. See, if you really want to drop weight, create a lifestyle. Don't do a diet. Say, I'm going to change my lifestyle. I'm, I'm, from this moment on, this is what I'm going to do. You have no idea how difficult this is for somebody. Like, there are things I want to eat all the time. I mean, I love cherry sours. And God did me a favor. You can't find them anywhere. I look. Trust me. I mean, my discipline suffers when I think about cherry sours. But, but I've created this lifestyle of eating healthy and trying to exercise and stay fit. And, and, and it's hard sometimes. But I'm totally bought into it. And even if I break down, fall off the wagon, and go to Cherry Sours Anonymous... Uh, I don't eat them very much. And if I can find them, I do. And then I pray the calories out. And then I repent after I eat them. But we have to be committed to, to whatever it is, not just interested in losing weight, but really engaged in changing how we live. Some people say, well, you know, church is a part of my life. I'm glad it's a part of your life. But reality is God is all of our lives. And, and church is not just to be a part of our life, but a big part of our life. 
And that, that means I'm going to create a lifestyle of going to church. It's, the question isn't, am I going to church? What, what you're going to say is, yeah, we're going to church unless something breaks down or I break down or whatever. We're going to church. I'm going to eat right regardless of what I want and what I, I know I really, really would like to have. I'm going to eat right. Now, I know that I'm really irritating some people right now because you were thinking about going and just eating like at Cheesecake Factory, which one entree at Cheesecake Factory will feed a family of four. I hate Cheesecake Factory. I, I'm, I'm probably going to get sued. It's not that I hate it. The food's great, but they give you portions big enough to last you for a week. This is our country. And, and so we have to be, be invested not just interested in living this Christian life. Because trust me, the minute you commit to be in church, you will meet a friend who owns a boat. And they'll say, every weekend, let's go to the lake. And it's free. It doesn't cost you anything. It will cost you your life, your joy, your peace, your lifestyle. There, there has to be a commitment to really, really enjoy whatever kind of relationship you're having in this world. Relationship with church, relationship with others, relationship with your spouse. You're not going to have a great relationship without being committed to that relationship. You're not going to have a great experience in church or with God unless you're committed to having a great relationship with God and, and committed to church. You're not going to enjoy it. Now, about 90% of the time, I enjoy my diet. There are 10% of the time I scream at it. But I am committed to it. I never started a diet. When I was 40 years old, I looked at a picture of myself and I said, if, if this is how I look at 40, I can't imagine what 60 is going to look like. That's what changed everything for me. And I said, I will not be that person. And so I had to make a decision. You'll have to make a decision. So in Ezekiel chapter 47, he's dealing with these different levels, if you will. It says, now he brought me back. The Spirit brought me back to the entrance to the temple. I saw water pouring out from under the temple porch to the east. The temple faced east. The water poured from the south side of the temple, south of the altar. He then took me through the north gate, led me around the outside to the gate complex on the east. The water was gushing from under the south front of the temple. He walked, walked to the east with a measuring tape and measured off 1,500 feet, leading me through water that was ankle deep. He measured off another 1,500 feet, leading me through water that was knee-deep. He measured off another 1,500 feet, leading me through water that was waist-deep. He measured off another 1,500 feet. By now, it was a river over my head, water to swim in, water no one could possibly walk through. Now, people that are at the ankle deep level, and I'll just kind of refresh your memory from last week, it's what I call the pleasure level. God still doesn't own you. You still have your own will. You don't know you were bought with a price. You're just dabbling. You have a, just a vague interest in, in maybe living for God. And that's a great start. But if you only have a vague interest, you will never experience the fullness of God's spirit. You will, you will dabble in it. You'll see other people that are waist deep, knee deep, and then you'll see people way out in the middle in over their head. They can't even touch bottom, and they're having the time of their life, and you want to be there, but you're afraid, and you really are not sure how to get there. And then once you get there, what are you going to do? So this is the same in church. We have people that come twice a year, 
Easter and Christmas. And every year I wish you Merry Christmas on Easter, knowing that's the next time I'll see you. You're interested, but you're really not invested at all. You're just kind of like, you know, I think I have an interest in the things of God and maybe seeing how other people live. And I want to go once or twice a year to meet all the hypocrites. Because that's what people who don't want to go to church say. It's hypocrites. And as I always say, we could use a few more of you. And so the reality is that to get from the beach to the depths that you want to be in, it's going to take some time, steps, commitment, courage, and you're going to have to say, this is the path I'm going to walk on. And, and you know what? We live in a world that's so filled with convenience that if it's not convenient to go to church, and some people drive 45 minutes five days a week to work each way, but they can't drive 20 minutes to church. It's just too far. Look, I'd rather you just be honest with God than try to lie to yourself. Say, God, I'm lazy. I don't want to get up on Sunday morning. And I, if I was God, I'd say, you know what? And like Santa Claus, I'm going to miss your house. But God wouldn't do that. So I don't want to be mean, but I'm trying to get us to see that the reason a lot of people don't love God a lot is they don't know God much. If you really know him, you'll fall in love with him. If you really know the heart of God, you can't stay away from the things of God. You just can't stay away. And so he says there are different levels. The first level, which is ankle deep, is pleasure level. The second level, which I'm going to talk about today, is called the pressure level. It's where you start having a sense that there, the water is not just, because ankle deep, you don't even feel anything. But then when you go up to knee deep, you start feeling, depending on which way you're turning toward the current, the current will start causing your legs to have to be, feel the pressure of it and stand. And, and you know what? I'm, this whole sermon this month's all about pressure. I am going to pressure you. Yeah, because the reality is everybody wants to feel the exhilaration of that pressure. It's, it's a spiritual adrenaline rush. If you're in a position where nobody's challenging you, you will live a boring life and you will be a bored human being. I hope this flies a little better at 11. Y'all kind of acting like, well, you know, Pastor, we stayed up late last night. I can tell. Third level is the pull level. It's not just feeling pressure. Now, the current literally is moving you, little by little, moving you. Now, I don't want this to become religious, legalistic, law. I don't want that. That's not what this is about. But just letting you know to, to a way to think about where you're at. Where am I in, in this scheme of things, on these levels? Where am I? Because I know people, good friends that come to church faithfully. They don't serve. They don't serve. They, they just come and they go. And you say, well, aren't you happy about that? I'm happy that you're here, but I'd be happier if you were having an experience with God that challenged you to rise to a new level. I, I, I've already determined if anything ever happened in my life, I, I'm, I'm going to serve God the rest of my life. You all try to run me off? You can't. Because you prayed me back. Nah, nah. It's your fault I'm back in Oklahoma where the winds come sweeping down the plains. But I, I, I love this. I mean, I can't even imagine. People say, talk about getting excited about retiring. I can't even imagine retiring because this is a lifestyle for me. It's not like something I go, well, I'm going to give 30 years of my life to ministry. I'm going to give all of my life to Jesus. I'm giving all of my life to serving. I'm giving all of my life. 
It's just, it's just who I am. And I'm not boasting about that, but I'm saying I was lost and now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see. I don't ever want to deviate from the one who brought me life and brought me sight. I mean, he changed when he's changed your life. See, some of y'all just, you kind of transitioned into Christianity. You were an easy child. Your mother told you you were the best ever, and you believed her. And so as not to disappoint her, you just kept being nice, even though really you don't want to, but, but you know it gets her approval and praise. Instead of saying, I want to be good for the sake of God. Not because God's going to love me more, but because I'm going to show him how much I love him. I'm demonstrating a love for him. Third level is the pull level. And then the last level, which is in over your head, is what I call the power level. That's where you really meet God is when you get in over your head and you cannot touch bottom, you have to rely on the Lord. Some people start giving a little bit and they give a little more. And then one day they go, I think I'm just going to go ahead and up it to a full 10% tithe. Uh Uh-oh, now you're in over your head. Because you're giving 10%, you're doing what God said, and you're going, man, I don't know if I can live on this. You cannot live without living on that. Even if you say, well, I got plenty of money, you won't have plenty of peace. Because obedience to God is part of what brings us peace. Those who keep their minds on him, he said, I'll keep you in perfect peace. That every thought you have, every decision you make includes him. So this ankle deep level, and I'll, I'll move transition to the pressure point or the knee deep, but this, this ankle deep says, only when there is something in it for me will I do something for him. How many of you ever had people say, what's in it for me? What, what if you just stopped and said, what does God want me to do even if there's nothing in it for me? Well, see, if you, you think that way, there will be something in it for you because you're doing it as unto the Lord. You don't even have to ask that question. The minute you start helping somebody else, you're sowing into somebody else's life, you will reap as a result of that choice. So what's in it for me? Obedience to God, a peace that passes all understanding, a joy unspeakable, because I'm obeying the Lord. The second question people ask at ankle deep is, only when I will be rewarded or recognized or when I will feel better. This is the statement they'll make. Only when I'm going to be rewarded or recognized. I've told you all the story many times, but I'm going to tell it again. When I was trying to get into ministry, I I really thought I would just go from classroom to pulpit. But but the reality is God had me serve a guy in youth ministry. It was a big church, so he asked me if I would help him. And I helped him 20, 25, 30 hours a week. And then Christmas time came around, and we had this, the the church was 15,000 people. And so what we were going to do is the youth ministry was going to take all the gifts that the church brought and take them out to different hospitals, children's wings, and things like that. So I was in charge of that. I was in charge of, of, of creating this, uh, raising the money and getting these gifts. And, and, and then on a Sunday night at church, thousands of people are going to be there. And all their gifts are going to be under two huge Christmas trees on this huge stage. And, and I'm just going to tell you the truth, man. My flesh was all excited because now all of a sudden, I'm going to be somebody. Now, this may sound really sick to you because some of y'all are the same way, but you won't admit it. But I'm going to admit it because there's a story in here. 
So this, this night finally happens. I had orchestrated. I spent months getting all this put together. And, and, and I'm down behind this humongous curtain in this big arena. Nobody could see me. And, and the youth pastor that I was doing work for, he wasn't doing any of it, went out on stage and took full credit for everything that had happened. Oh, Jesus, help me. I am backstage fuming, going, but, but I did this. I'm responsible for this. And God shows up backstage in the dark, me and him. And he asked me a question. When God asks you a question, you're going to lose. You ain't going to win because he knows the answer. He ain't asking because he needs to know. He's asking because you need to know the answer. He said, would you have done this had you known it was going to turn out this way? I came up with a great response. I said, no, I wouldn't have, but I want to. And that was the end of that. And I learned my lesson. I was ankle deep. I just wanted everybody to splash around and see. I wasn't in over my head where I didn't care. I couldn't touch bottom. I had to rely on God. No, this was about me. And that changed my life forever. I realized God was interested in me obeying him for the sake of the people who would be blessed. And if I would do it for that reason, I would be blessed. But I wasn't going to be blessed because it wasn't about the people in the hospital. It wasn't about, it was about me doing something great for God and everybody going. Now, I'm sure not any of you have ever done this. I'm the only one in the room that's ever done anything like this. And I just want to let you know how awesome you are for not being like me. Self-centered sucker sinner. And then the third thing you can tell people are ankle deep is they only do it when it's convenient. It's just, it's easy. I don't have anything else to do on Sunday. But let somebody call you on Saturday night and it's more fun, and, and it's inconvenient, and, and you're out. That's how many people are. If it's convenient, I'll do it. You know, I think if you're not inconvenienced every day of every week in some way, shape, form, or fashion, you're never going to grow into the person God wants you to be. And this, I'm going to get into marriage here a minute. Men, your wife is not your slave. What's for dinner, honey? I, I, if I was a woman, I'd look and say, why don't you tell me? Oh, we've got some timidity going on in here. No, we're, we're in this thing together. You, we're in this thing together. And, and yet we, we've got all these ideas, convenient things, and, and instead of saying, you know, I'm not just going to be ankle deep, man, I'm, I'm going to go to the next level. And this is that knee deep level right here. And I, I meddled, and I, I can already tell you're going to be talking about me at lunch, and I've already started wars and rumors of war, therefore Jesus is coming back. So you go from that seeker level, I'm seeking pleasure, I'm seeking recognition, I'm seeking, that's what that ankle deep, I'm seeking, I'm seeking, you got your little, you got your little summer body going and your little swimsuit looking all tan and good. You don't want to go too far out because you want everybody to see you from the ankle up. This is the squeeze level, the pressure level. 
where, where all of a sudden you find yourself in a position like you're going to find at the end of this sermon today. You're going to feel squeezed when you leave. I told you last week, I, I am, I, the church is made up of all of us. It's not made up of a, a worship team, a pastor. It's made up of people. It's called the body of Christ, not the head of Christ. It's the body of Christ. You can't just have a head floating around and things get done. It gets done because the head communicates to the arms, the fingers, the legs, the knees, and everything else, and this is what we're going to do. So in John 6, great story of what it's like to be pressured. When Jesus looked up and saw a great crowd coming toward him, he said to Philip, where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? He asked this only to test him. Come on, Jesus. You don't think Jesus has a sense of humor? This goes back to him asking a question he already knows the answer to because that's what Jesus does. For he already had in mind what he was going to do. Philip answered him, eight months' wages would not buy enough bread for each one to have a bite. Now, just let that soak in a minute. Eight months' wages just to have a bite, not to get full, not to even get partially full. Another of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. If you really think about this, this is kind of funny because he's looking around going, I got to make something happen. Jesus is talking. And he goes, hey, here's a boy with five small barley loaves. <laughs> Come on, this guy's picking on a kid. He, he's looking and thinking, man, we got to have an answer. Jesus is fixing to come down heavy. And he finds a little boy who's just on an, running an errand, and he has two small fish, but how far will they go among so many. You know the rest of the story. They go over and tell the little boy, hey, this is like a bully. We want your fish and we want your bread. But mom, I don't care. So the little boy, I know it was kinder than that, the little boy offers those up. Why? He felt pressure. He felt a squeeze. These big, bad, bully disciples want what he had. Well, yeah, they were hungry, and Jesus is saying, go. We. The boy says, here it is. He felt squeezed. See, people say, well, don't, I don't like to feel pressure. I'm going to tell you, you do like pressure because you drove here today on pressure, tire pressure. And probably before you got in the car that had tire pressure, you had water pressure at home. Some of you actually showered, and for that I say thank you. You had water pressure. See, we talk about a world that's pressure-free. If this world was pressure-free, we would never become the people we're called to become. If somebody didn't talk to you straight and put pressure on you to come to church, some of you would never come to church. But they squeezed you and said, well, you know, finally they invite you, and then they tell you all the wonderful things, and, and they go down this series of things to tell you, put pressure on you to come to church, and then finally, if we're a part of some kind of abomination or denomination, we look and say, well, then just go to hell. That's what you're going to do. You're going to go to hell, and it's going to be hot forever. That constant pressure of, and I don't agree with that, I mean, 
it, I don't want you to go to hell, and I hope that might be enough pressure for you to go, I think I don't want to either. But somebody squeezes you to make you a better person. He was pressured into a miracle. Twelve baskets were picked up. And remember, eight months' wages would not be enough for everybody to have a bite. And now all of a sudden you got, you got these five little barley loaves and two fish. Everybody eats and then they get 12 baskets. Why? Because one little boy decided not to run home and tell mama that these big bad disciples were picking on him. Instead, he said, I'm going to offer up what I've got. People who get to knee deep start feeling that press going, I have to make a decision now. I've got to do something. I can feel this pressure on me, this squeeze. That's how come I'm squeezing you saying, if you're not serving, you're not tithing, you're not doing things, you say, well, that's all you want. No, what I want for you is to experience God, not just entertain God. You'd think I just made a 20-foot putt. (laughs) We live in a world where pressure is unacceptable. You know, let me be me. I'll let you be you. But if we let everybody be everybody and Jesus didn't say, hey, go into all the world and just sit around people. He said, go into all the world and preach the gospel. Go squeeze some people. Go tell them what's going to happen if they obey and tell them what's going to happen if they don't. But that's not political correct, Pastor, because everybody's right. And everybody's going to heaven, they just don't know it. And that is the biggest lie the devil has ever entertained, introduced to our world. Everybody's going, God wouldn't send anybody to hell. You are exactly right. God doesn't send anybody to hell. People choose to go there. God told us how to get to heaven, how to get to hell, and he said, here, you choose. You choose. And so the, the great excuse that this, this, the world has, people who don't like God, is, well, it, I don't want to serve a God who sends people to hell. Neither do I. And I don't serve a God who sends people to hell. I serve a God who made a way for people not to go to hell, but you have to choose not to. So the world's got all these excuses and reasons for not stepping into the water and then once they do step in ankle deep and somebody preaches what i'm preaching do they go oh that's not for me yeah it is for you it's for everybody but you'll never become the person you want to become until you give the person you are to him who came to make you the person you want to become it's a great tom landry line to the dallas cowboys i make grown men do what they don't want to do so they can be what they want to be See, if nobody's challenging you and you do everything you want to do every day, I pity you. Nobody's challenging you. I mean, all I have to do to be challenged is to get in my car and drive and I can grow. Because there are a bunch of Walmart drivers out there that got their license on aisle 25. Adversity is often the next step to opportunity. Don't be overcome by adversity. Be the overcomer God made you, and adversity will have to bow to you. Adversity oftentimes makes us into the people that we want to become. 
because it requires you to go deeper into God. This boy's life would never be the same. You see, when I was in college and, and studying theology and psychology, I had an idea of how I wanted to go into ministry. I want to go, like I said, I want to go straight from the classroom to the platform. I didn't want to go through all the other stuff. And so I'm sitting in this huge church again. I mean, I grew so much because there was so much pressure that I felt to, 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 to try to obey God <clears throat> when he speak to me. So one night, the, the youth pastor again, same guy I ended up working for, stands up and says, you know, we need drivers to take youth to camp, to drive buses. So if you have a commercial license, would you please come and see me after service? And I'm sitting there, and I know God is talking to me. He does that pretty regularly. And I, so I felt this, this pressure. I thought, well, I got a commercial license. And da, da. So I went down. Here's how I approached him. I said, you probably have all the drivers you need by now. He looked and said, no, as a matter of fact, I don't. I said, okay, I'll drive. It's hot. I'm driving from Tulsa to somewhere in God knows where, Missouri, in a 40-passenger school bus, yellow banana with 50 teenagers on it. I'm surprised I'm not in prison. All the way hot, kids screaming, they're excited. I'm driving in Missouri, the show-me state, and I'm asking, show me why, God. Show me why. But it was just another one of those scenes, God saying, you know, if you really want to follow me, you're going to have to get off the beach. You're going to have to get ankle deep. You're going to have to get knee deep. If you really want to experience me, you're going to have to do some things to experience me. A lot of people sitting around waiting on the Lord. Well, God, do, do something. Show me. And God's saying, show me. You do something. Faith without works is dead. You're trying to exercise faith that I'll show you something. Why don't you start doing something so I can show you who I am? Because trust me, right before I got out of youth ministry, I went to the senior pastor and I said, look, I got to get out of here. He said, why? I said, I'm going to kill somebody. It was my last youth camp and there were just these like just massive dorms. And I had my youth group and they knew me. And when it was bedtime, I told them to shut up and go to sleep in the name of Jesus. And there were other groups from other cities and other churches, and they wouldn't shut up. So I got up out of my bed, and I didn't know it's dark. And I said, if y'all don't shut up, this is the loving youth pastor that I was. I'm going to take you and your youth pastor outside. And that was when I knew I'd lost it. After that camp, I went home to the pastor. I said, I, I think it's time. That's how God works with me. It's not, you know, I, I'm not that just the little passive. Well, the Lord spoke to me in the depths and the dark of the night. He whispered in my ear, my child, thou shall move on from here. <laughs> I'm just not that person. It's like God saying, yeah, you got to go. I can't help you anymore. You're going to kill somebody, and I don't want that, so get out of here. Squeeze. The most worthwhile form of education is the kind that puts the educator inside you, as it were, so that the appetite for learning persists long 
after the external pressure for grades and degrees has vanished. Otherwise, you're not educated, you're merely trained. See, I don't want you just to be trained. I want you to be educated on why we serve, why we do what we do. You don't, you don't serve to be recognized. It's not the next step to your destiny or your future that you get on staff at a church. It's the next step in your relationship with God. Your only pure purpose is to obey the Lord, not to be promoted. God promotes the obedient. You don't have to worry about promotion. That's not your goal. Your goal is simple obedience. I will serve the Lord. Well, I, I don't want to. I don't want to get to church 15 minutes early. Oh, that's right. It's not convenient, you little ankle believer. Little chihuahua Christian. All yip and all nip. I'm smiling. There's pressure to do something at this level, but the pressure is oftentimes from people, peers, rather than desire. You don't really want to, but you feel like you ought to because somebody's squeezing you and pressuring you, and you don't want them to, but the reality is they're going to make you better. They're going to push you. As I said, when the four-minute mile was broken by one man, it wasn't but days and weeks after that many began to break the four-minute mile because they felt the pressure to break it because somebody in their peer group broke it. It wasn't that God whispered, okay, now we're going to break the four-minute mile. No, somebody actually did it and put the squeeze on everybody else, every other runner that was a a long-distance runner. So that's what happens. You will never be the person you can be if pressure, tension, and discipline are taken out of your life. You'll never be that person. You need the pressure. The force is obvious but not strong, and our will is still in charge at this level. We still have some tough decisions to make. The level of engagement still requires this. We must be asked by someone and not often God. We see a crisis situation or a need and no one else is meeting it, at which time we complain that we're doing it, but we're doing it. We can at the end, we see an end to our assistance or commitment. In other words, this is not going to be a lifelong deal. It's just just a part-time gig. Well, pastor, I know you need some people working in children's ministry. I'll do it until you get other people. No, you'll do it as long as God wants you to do it. You think, I mean, there there aren't a list of people trying to get to Oklahoma. It's not on their bucket list. I traveled the world. Nobody said, I can't, before I die, I've got to go to Oklahoma. I just have to. No, you've got to understand We obey the Lord, and out of that obedience comes the peace and joy and strength we need to live our lives. We get no deeper into Christ than we allow him to get into us. You say, man, I want to go deep in God. Then you have to let God go deep in you. You have to allow him to be the Lord of all, not just the Lord of some. See, some of you, I have people after sermons like this, with Pastor, God's been dealing with me for like two decades or two days, or two weeks. Listen, the world is looking, and I said this last week, and I'll say it again. When somebody gets out of their car in our parking lot, before they ever sit in a seat, they ought to be greeted at least five times. Five times. 
You shouldn't have to walk from the parking lot to the front door. Okay, somebody greeted you at the front door, and after that, it's over. You're just in the lobby eating our cholesterol-free donuts. No, you ought to have somebody after the front door or actually in the parking lot on a golf cart about to run you over saying, hi, we're glad you're at Mosaic, front door, come through the door, there ought to be somebody right there at that desk, then at the, the doors coming into the auditorium, then once you get in the auditorium, there ought to be somebody come over and say, man, it's good, I'm glad you're sitting in my section, we are the section. This is it, you're sitting in the right place, why? Because I sit here. The deeper Christian life is the willingness to quit trying to use the Lord for our ends and to let him work in us for his glory. Pastor, I'm willing to do whatever needs to be done around here to help people come to find Jesus. That's why we do what we do on Sunday mornings. This is not a show. This is about helping people walk deeper in a relationship with God to deal with their issues, to celebrate their gifts and their talents. Otherwise, this doesn't work. Church does not work without you. And so at the end of this series and at the end of today, at the end of this month, we're doing a major meet and greet for all people that want to say, I want to go in over my head. I, I want to trust God. I want to trust God so much that I'm willing to do things outside of my comfort zone so that he can show me his presence in my concern. You can ask Pastor Jesse, the first time you preach a message, you feel God pulling you to preach, you're scared out of your mind. You're going to stand up here. I've preached sermons before totally using the wrong people. Yeah. Yeah. I mixed up Potiphar and Pharaoh one time in a whole, whole sermon. And I'm preaching to all these people, and they're sitting there and looking. I'm going, I'm using the wrong dude. How much credibility do I have now? They're going, he doesn't even know. That, that was Pharaoh, not Potiphar. And I'm the preacher. I'm supposed to be all-knowing in this moment. It was hard to come back. And actually, somebody told me after the first service that I preached, and I went, I'm so embarrassed. So I just stood up and told everybody, I said, last service, I mixed these dudes up because they kind of hung out together. They were in the same place. And <laughs> there are just times you get up here and you just like, you just kind of go, God, I'm in over my head. And everybody goes, yeah, you are. But God wants to take us to that place of power. And there's the greatest place of power is when everything you do you do it in his strength and his power. Not by not might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. That's where we're moving toward. God, I'll do whatever you need me to do. I don't even know if I'm qualified, don't care if I'm qualified. What I care about is I'm going to obey you, even if it's an embarrassment to me. And that's I've heard people say, well, you know, I just, I'm just, you know, you're so afraid of other people's opinion. You live your life a slave to what other people say or think about you. The criticism that somebody gives you, that should make you better, not worse. We get criticized all the time. I, I don't even care. I'm not up here to impress you or compete with another preacher. I'm up here simply to obey God, and hopefully I can help somebody. That's it. 
You know, there are guys out there, I, want, I preach better than him, I preach better. I don't care. I know guys that can't preach to save their life, but they save the lives of other people. They're authentic. Their sincerity is, this is not about me. It's about the people that are watching and listening. Can I say something that would encourage you today? Nothing's impossible with God. He who began a good work in you is going to bring it to completion to the day of Christ Jesus. I'm just telling you, God, God can use you in ways you never knew. Your parents said nothing good ever happens. You'll never amount to anything, and you believed them. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. You can do all things through Christ. There's nothing impossible with you, with God in you. So don't stop knee deep. Don't stop ankle deep. We're going to get into the pool. You're going to feel the pull. And you can get mad at me if you want. Pastor's, pastor's pressuring us. Yes, I am. And I wouldn't be much of a pastor if I wasn't pressuring you. If all I did was scratch your little itch, that is not going to work. To me, we've had pastors asking, well, what, what do the people want to hear? You know what I want? No, I want to say, God, what do you have to say? Not what do the people want to hear? What do you have to say? Because there are things God says to me I don't like. I don't even sometimes read the Bible and get mad at God. God, I don't want to turn the other cheek and let somebody hit me. I don't want to go the extra mile. I don't want to forgive the idiot who hurt me. I don't want to. But guess what? He wants me to, therefore I will. And sometimes even after I will and I do and I do it willingly, I still feel hurt. God is not fair. God is always just. We can trust him over our heads. Let's pray. Father, thank you for taking us deeper every day, challenging us, not because you want to torment us, but because you want to elevate us. So God, sometimes when we get angry, it's the anger that we feel that propels us to the place we need to go. So, Lord, we live our whole lives trying to avoid conflict and pain and anger and reality. The Bible says you learned obedience through the things you suffered. So sometimes, Lord, it's those difficult places that make us the person we need to be to be in the place you've called us to be. Every head bowed, every eye closed. I'm going to pray a prayer of repentance, of accepting Christ. And I want everyone to pray this with me. And those of you watching online, pray it out loud wherever you are. Say, Father God, thank you so much for sending your only son to die on the cross for my sin. Jesus, thank you for giving your life for me. Today I give my life to you. I repent of my sin. And I declare today I am saved. I am forgiven. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, or those of you watching online, we like to make this available to you as well as the people here. Text the word SAVE to 405-500-1310. Text the word SAVE to 405-500-1310. And, and put your name if you want, but the reality is this is about you just making that statement that I am a Christian. I am forgiven. I am saved. Do that right now. Hello, this is Pastor Mark Crow. I just want to take a quick moment to thank you for joining us online. We hope you have a blessed week this week and get to be a blessing to those around you. I want to invite you to join us at Mosaic Church OKC next week at 9.30 a.m. and 11 a.m. or join us online. God bless you.